I want to start right at the basics. Why do we celebrate the resurrection of Christ? Um, and this, what the story was, was that Jesus came down from heaven. He came as a baby. He lived a life. And he was the son of David. And he was meant to be crowned as the king of the Jews. And as he went to Jerusalem one Passover to be crowned king of the Jews, instead of this happening, though it was totally God's plan, he was secretly arrested, secretly tortured, secretly tried, and then publicly condemned, and condemned for rebellion against Caesar, the Roman emperor in Jerusalem. Caesar wasn't there, but his stand-in, Pontius Pilate, condemned him as an insurrectionist, as a rebel against Caesar. And he was condemned to be crucified, which was their worst form of punishment for somebody who had committed crimes against the state. And he was taken outside of Jerusalem, and he was nailed to a crossbeam, and then hung from the cross until death. And he hung there probably for about five or six hours, something like that. It's not super specific. In the meantime, there was a, an eclipse and an earthquake and Jesus died. And then he was taken down from the cross and put in a tomb. And they rushed to get him into that tomb because um, the Sabbath was going to start. So they put him in the tomb, and then they had their Sabbath, so they spent their day resting on a Saturday. And then the next morning, some women came to kind of complete the burial rites and to um, cover him with some some good-smelling stuff and to honor his dead body. But when they got there, he wasn't there. And this huge stone circle that was the door of the tomb had been rolled away. And I was even reading this morning in Luke that when these women got there to go and anoint Jesus' dead body, the angel rebuked them and said, why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? He told you he's going ahead of you to Galilee. And one of the things that was just really interesting to me as I was thinking about this is that we don't actually have a story about how the resurrection happened. We have the story how Jesus died because people saw that. And we have the story about how they put them in the tomb because they saw that. And then we have the story of them getting to the tomb and Jesus isn't there. But the actual moment when his dead body came back to life in a way that's an eternal life, nobody knows how that really happens and it's not described to us. We just have people finding out the evidence that it happened. There's an empty tomb and there's angels saying, He's not here. Now, he did kind of show up to talk to Mary Magdalene before she left, but this was the resurrection, an empty tomb and a man totally different, though the same as he was before. And Jesus spent the next few weeks proving to his disciples that he was alive because they didn't believe it, like you wouldn't, because people don't come back from the dead. People don't, especially when they've been dead for a while, you know, um, in every movie, anytime someone gets a little bit waterlogged, somebody will come along and just pound them on their chest a little bit and they'll turn over and cough out some water and they'll come back. And maybe sometimes, you know, you've heard about people getting the electric shocks or the AEDs on them that'll restart their heart if they've had a heart attack or something. That's a resuscitation. But Jesus was not resuscitated. He was dead, dead, dead. And God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, brought him back to life in an eternal life. And now this new Jesus could walk through walls. 
there was a time when the disciples were hiding out in a room because they were scared they're going to be found out. And then suddenly Jesus is in the room with them, even though the doors were locked. And he could, even though he could walk through walls, he also ate food. And even though, though sometimes he, you remember on the road to Emmaus, he breaks bread and he's going to eat with them. And then he vanishes from their sight. This new Jesus working miracles, teleporting, walking through walls, doing, being a miracle. He's raised from the dead to a new life. And so that's what happened. He was really killed and now brought into a new life that is better than the life we have now and it hasn't ended he's been alive for 2,000 years and will continue to be alive forever and ever that's the capital T capital R resurrection from the dead that we're talking about it's not going back to your old life it's going through death to a new eternal life that's the resurrection Though even that's what happened physically, there was something more going on. And I want to read from Romans chapter 1 because this passage highlights for us what else was going on in the resurrection here. So this is Paul, and this is a greeting. He's just starting his letter. The Holy Spirit writing through Paul is so powerful that his hellos are better than most of my sermons. Okay, so this is, uh, God's word is amazing. His hello has more meat in it than this entire message will, and praise the Lord. But this is what it says, Romans chapter 1, starting verse 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scripture concerning his son. Now this is where it gets really interesting. Who was descended from David according to the flesh... And was declared to be the Son of God in power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. And I'm going to end it there at the end of verse 5. We have ways of determining who's the best at things, don't we? Uh, Our neighbors to the south in the year 2020, which is this year, they're supposed to be having a presidential election, right? So the whole country, all the adults are supposed to gather and they're supposed to cast votes to decide who the president is going to be. The most powerful political office in the world, that's how you find out if you're the president, is that everybody or the most people have voted for you. Or It's a little bit more technical than that with the Electoral College, but that's how you find out who's going to be the most powerful political person in the world. You count votes. Now, right before all this pandemic started, how did you find out who the best hockey team was? Well, you have a tournament. And everybody's got to play up to seven games, and whoever wins four gets to go into the next round. And once you've done that a certain amount of rounds, whoever wins the playoffs gets the cup. And that's how you find out who the best team is for a couple of months until you start it all over again. How do you find out who the best high school basketball team is? Well, you have tournaments. And whoever wins a tournament is that's the best high school basketball team. And then there's like a vote to decide who's the best player on that team as well. There's votes, there's tournaments. This is how you decide who's the greatest. God had a way to tell the world who is going to be the greatest leader of all time. 
the title of the greatest leader, the most powerful authority, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the title that encapsulates the highest of highs and the power of powers is the title, the son of God. And God decided that the way he was going to tell everybody who the son of God is, is to raise him from the dead. That's what the word of God says. He was declared by God to be the Son of God in power by His resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what Easter means. Who is God's champion and ruler and savior and king? The highest of the highs and the Lord of all the lords and the God over every God. Who is this person? It's the person who's been raised from the dead. Jesus. And so when Jesus came out of the grave, it wasn't just that we were getting a friend back. God was telling the universe, this man is my son and he reigns and will reign forever. And that's part of what was going on. That's why Paul talks about Jesus being the son of David here. Because a thousand years beforehand, God had made King David, the king of Israel, a promise. He said, one of your offspring is going to sit on your throne forever. That is a hard promise to fulfill when people die. Because nobody does anything forever in this life. Even the things you love to do the most, you won't get to do forever because you die. And I die. So when God says to David, one of your offspring is going to sit on your throne forever, that's really hard to do. Unless you have the power to make someone live forever, which God does. And so when that's what David or Paul's talking about here. God was declaring to the world that this is the true king of Israel. This is the true ruler of the world. This is the man I've been talking about forever who will be everything to everyone in my name. I've raised him from the dead. And now you know. And it's meant to be tremendously humbling. Because unless you've been raised from true death to an everlasting life, you have a boss. Unless you have died totally so that no one thinks you're alive, and now you are living forever without aging, without growing tired, without anything that comes with this mortal life, unless that's your experience, you have a Lord, the Son of God. And the Father has declared him to be the Son of God by raising him from the dead. And you know what? This is good news. This is the good news that we get to declare to everybody, you're not God and you're not the boss. The boss and the God of the universe is Jesus. And we know it's true because he died and he was raised. The Father raised him from the dead so that we would know. So I declare it. I declare it to you. And I declare it to the rulers of the world. Prime Minister Trudeau, you have a Lord. This is such good news. His name is Jesus. And we know that he is the Lord because God raised him from the dead. And he is alive today. And I call you to believe in him. 
I call on you to acknowledge him publicly. I call on you to turn from your policies that embrace death, like the killing of children and the the promotion of every kind of sexual immorality and the promotion of killing the sick and despairing amongst us through the medical system. Repent and come to the Lord Jesus. Acknowledge his lordship. Humble yourself and he will bring blessings to our nations. I call on the premier as well. Premier Palliser, Jesus is raised from the dead. He's the Lord. He's the Lord over every premier. Acknowledge his name. Ask him for mercy in these days and he will bless us. Our mayor and city council, thank you for acknowledging God and calling us to a time of prayer a few weeks ago. Continue to acknowledge his name. Our MLA, thank you for your public acknowledgement of Christ as Lord. It's the truth. And everyone else, any pastor who might hear this, I call on you to acknowledge the reality that Jesus is raised from the dead and he is Lord, not us. Let us show it with our humble obedience and our total despairing of people pleasing. Let us live for the truth of the word of God. Let us lay down our lives. Let us not let any church become a fight over powerful positions. Because there are no positions of power in Christ's church. There's crosses to die on and there's tubs of water to wash feet with. And that's it. Because Jesus is raised from the dead. He alone is worthy of all honor and power and glory and worship. Let's give it to him. And every other nation. Praise God, the Queen of England acknowledges Christ. But may every other nation in the world acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. And God has declared it to be true by raising him from the dead. That's what the resurrection means. That nobody is God but Christ and his Father. No one is Lord but Christ. And no one is the Son of God but Christ. And oh, the blessings and the power that come by yielding with full and joyful submission to this good man who is also the Son of God. Won't you join with me? in acknowledging that in every way and for all times, only Jesus is Lord. And God has declared it by raising him from the dead. Now, raising someone from the dead is the weirdest way you can try to prove something. In one sense, though it is a display of power. Do you remember that story where Jesus went and I think it was a paralytic had come, or it was the man with the withered hand. Forgive me, I've forgotten the detail. And Jesus says to this person, your sins are forgiven. And everyone around him starts getting really miffed because they don't think Jesus has the right to do that, to forgive sins. And they start to say, only God can forgive sins. Like, stay in your lane, Jesus. That's not your job. You can't forgive people. Shut up. You're going to get yourself in trouble. And he said, well, what's easier to do, to say your sins are forgiven or to say to this person, pick up your mat and walk? And he said, so you would know I actually do have authority for, to forgive sins. You, paralytic person, get up and go for a walk, which happened. 
And so it was meant to tell us that everything Jesus said he could do, he would do because he's raised from the dead. If you have the power to raise someone from the dead, what can't you do? But Christian, in this life, we often get sidetracked and derailed because we don't understand that the power of the resurrection of Jesus is meant to come to us through death too. If Jesus entered into his kingship through death, we too will enter into our reward and our purposes through suffering and death. And there's something about our culture that does not want to submit to that, and we have troubles. But if we would be wise, we would embrace that so much of what God wants to do in the world comes through the suffering and deaths of God's people. Because the power of God, since Jesus was raised from the dead, is resurrection power. It's power that shows up when things die. I've been reading afresh the uh, biography of John Patton, who's one of my favorite missionary stories to read, his life. He wrote this awesome book. I'd recommend it to anybody. And if I've talked to you about this before, he's this Scottish guy. He lived about 200 years ago or 150 years ago. And he heard how there were islands of cannibals who didn't know Jesus. And these these are real islands. They're kind of on the way to Australia. Thousands of people who eat each other because they don't know God. And he was gripped with a mercy for them and a pity for them. And in fact, before he went, there had actually been two missionaries who had landed on the island that he went to. And in the sight of the boat that had sent them off onto the island, these two missionaries were clubbed to death and eaten right in front of the people who just dropped them off. And John Patton wanted to go to these people. Because they didn't know that Jesus Christ is Lord. And instead they worshipped almost anything else. Even to the point of eating each other. And you would think, well he's going, this should be great. He loves them and he wants them to know Jesus. It should be wonderful. It's one of the worst stories ever. And the most painful part of his first tour on one of, excuse me, one of the islands is that he lands on the island with his wife that he's just newly married. And she gets pregnant, and she gets sick while she's pregnant near the end. Think malaria. And right after she gives birth to the baby, she dies. And then a week later, the baby dies. And the only comfort John Patton has on this island is that some pastor from some other island comes by and helps him have the funeral. If that were you, Christian, wouldn't you quit in bitterness? I'm trying to serve the Lord. I'm trying to do good. I'm trying to please Jesus. And my whole life is destroyed. We would quit unless we know that the power of God is resurrection power. And eventually what happened with him, to summarize, and I really would love to just have you read the book, is he actually gets kicked off the island after some while, but when he goes back to a different island, the entire island gets saved on number two. 
Tens of thousands of people turn from cannibalism to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's still churches there now that he started. But the power of God is resurrection power. The power of God isn't just everything gets better and better and better and better and better. The power of God is things are okay and then a lot of things die and then God shows up when no human being could fix it and then we see that God is all-powerful and he can raise the dead. That's how it works. And so after thinking about it for about a week, I am so glad that church is shut down. I am praising the Lord that we have 10 people here and we are at the legal limit and probably some people think we shouldn't be here. Thank goodness church is dead because we get to do the dying now. We don't have to wait a year or two years for everything to implode. It's dead now. We've got this new building and all the debt from it and no one to show up. This is wonderful because there is a resurrection coming for Calvary Church. And I don't know what it's going to look like, but it's dead now. Hallelujah. He's in the tomb. But guess what? That stone is toast and Jesus is coming out and I'm not going to go around mourning like he's dead. I'm waiting for him to show up and show his resurrection power now because this is how he works so church start planting whatever you've lost in these days in the garden of the resurrection of christ and start looking for him to give back to you with resurrection power whatever you think you've lost if you're mourning over this lame easter don't grieve at a funeral plant it in the tomb of jesus so that it can come out with resurrection power because that's how god works now you have to die to live forever that's how it works and so we have all these opportunities with school and family and jobs and money we have so many opportunities to take all this dying this walking through the valley of the shadow of death and to invest it into the tomb and to put it into the tomb but then to not stand around mourning but just to say not long now and the resurrection power of christ shall come because this is how he did it and this is how he does it why don't we lift up our heads? I was just reading through Jesus talking about the destruction of Jerusalem. And he says, hey, hey, armies are going to come and it's, there's going to be trouble and earthquakes and famines in various places. When you see these things, lift up your head because your moment is coming. Because that's how God works. When it all falls apart, that's when God can show up with resurrection power. Greg, we sold our old building. After the deal fell apart, after we had no deal, we had a deal for months and it died, it dig dead, and then it sold. How does this work? We had a deal, the deal fell apart, and then it sold. Because the power of God since the resurrection of Jesus is the resurrection power of God. Which means we have to have a whole new mindset to loss and suffering. Or else we won't walk with Christ. Because when God wants to bless us now, he has to hand us some dying. Amen? If you want resurrection power, you got to start with the dying. It's so hard. I don't love it. I don't like it. But my mind's being changed. When things start falling apart, you just go, man, this is God must be setting up something here. Amen? He must be setting up something because this seems supernaturally bad. 
It seems like Jesus, who didn't have to go to Jerusalem, keeps walking to Jerusalem. It seems like Jesus, who instead of going and praying in a garden, could have fled from the garden so not to get arrested. He must have had a plan. It's like when he was being on trial in front of Pilate, he could have said anything to defend himself, but he just stayed silent so that he would be convicted. It seems like Jesus, who said, I could call on a million angels to come and rescue me from the cross, but I'm just going to not ask so that I die. There must be a plan. And there was a plan. And I don't know what the plan is. But the plan might be for God to bring suffering over the entire planet so that millions of people who right now are proud and self-sufficient will begin to see that they need a savior. And they can't take care of themselves. They need a living Christ. And this is where Paul talks about this. He says, God has declared Jesus to be the Son of God with power. And then the next thing he says is, because of that, we've received grace and authority to bring about obedience from all the nations. This is the implication of Jesus being raised from the dead, that everyone needs to know that he is Lord and learn to obey him. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? Empty chairs? That's okay. Jesus said that if people don't come to church, the chairs will cry out. Empty chairs? Isn't that true? If God has declared Jesus to be the Son of God, the implication is that the whole world needs to learn to obey Him. Amen? Isn't that true? Church, are we going to get in the way of that? Jesus is the Son of God. Yeah, do whatever makes you happy. That if the do whatever makes you happy is our message, then we don't believe that the Jesus is the Son of God part, do we? No, the implication is if God has declared Jesus to be the King of kings and Lord of lords, then the whole world needs to hear it and learn to treat Him thusly. And this is missions, and this is evangelism, and this is the point of the church. There are still billions of people who are under the lordship of Jesus because he's been declared to be the son of God. They just don't know who he is. And that's the problem. The problem in the world is not that Jesus does not reign. He does reign. He's on the throne of heaven right now. He reigns. The problem is that people don't know it and don't act like it. And this is the age of the church where the people who know the truth get to tell other people the truth so that they too can rejoice in the lordship of Jesus and learn to worship him with their obedience. Amen? And I think this is part of what's going on in the church right now. I could be wrong. I do it quite regularly. But let me ask you this. Was your life totally perfect in your sight before all the lockdowns started happening? Mine wasn't. Could this be God's way of giving us an opportunity to learn to treat Jesus as Lord in our homes and in our lives? And to bring about obedience in our minds and our hearts and our children's lives and in our marriages 
so that when we are set free again, we come out of the tomb, not the same person, the tomb which is our homes, but actually a person walking more in the resurrection power of Jesus, full of acknowledging his authority and obedience to his will. Is that possible? Is this, is, is for many of us, maybe what we actually needed was five months of just being together, gathering around Christ, praying, studying the word, worshiping. Maybe that's what we needed. And now we have to stay home. We have to not just busy ourselves with another person in the next event and the next event and the next event. And then five years later going, I don't feel like I don't know anybody in my home. And we're definitely not on mission in Christ together. Amen? Maybe this is a great time to stop doing busy church, where we just kind of run around doing the same thing, and we actually are all learning that I can walk with God. And at Calvary Chapel will be a place where there's hundreds of people not just being entertained and going, well, somebody else ought to do the work of the kingdom, but hundreds of people who see now that they have a God who answers their prayers in their home. And they've learned how to be disciple makers with the people they live with and learned how to obey the authority of Christ in their own homes and then come together and be like, I am going to go stir crazy bored unless we get busy together. Because the old thing, I'm, I'm a million miles past the old way. Because I've walked with the God of resurrection. Is that possible? Is that possible? Is it possible that God is so shaking the world that places where they were hostile to entrance from other countries will want to and need to open borders so that people can come in and help their broken nation? And the people coming in will be bearers of the glory and the resurrection power of the Son of God. Is that possible too? I I wonder if this is the greatest opportunity for missions that we will have in our lifetime. I could be wrong. But when the world shakes, people realize I need someone bigger than myself to save me. And we know him. And billions don't. The resurrection means... That we ought to go in the authority of God's word and the power of his spirit to help the nations rejoice in the son of God and to learn to obey him. That's what the resurrection means. Amen. So I'm going to pray and the band can start coming up. But this is my call. If you're Christian, this is what I want to encourage you in. There are things that you wish would die in your life. Fear of man. Fear of money. Fear of being useless. uh, Believing lies about yourself. Believing lies about other Christians. uh, Nullifying your own usefulness in the kingdom. We're in a time where God is bringing death to the world. And we don't just get to do what we want to anymore. Why don't you take everything that you wish would just die and put it in the tomb of Jesus? 
And Christian, if there are things that you are mourning because you've lost or mourning because you fear you've lost, lift up your eyes to the goodness of God who stores up goodness for those who trust in him. And take what you've lost or take what you fear you will lose and put it into the tomb by prayer with the dead body of Jesus. And then instead of being like a mourner coming with spices, wait with hope. Christ is alive. He has resurrection power. And he will give back to us whatever we lose along the way, 60 80, a hundredfold, both in this life and in eternal life. Father, show us the glory of Jesus in these days. And turn our hearts to others. We have a source of never-ending joy in the Holy Spirit. Father, as we see the world around us and the top leaders of the world and all they can say during these times are stay home and wash your hands. Though there's wisdom in that, that is no salvation. You are the Savior, Jesus. You make alive the dead. May our hope and our faith rise to your true worth and your true glory and your true authority. And when you lead this people... In Jesus' name, amen.